Hello, friends, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. What's going on, U-Turn friends? You know how much I love the love category, and I love love, and that's why today I'm really excited to have Eve Rodsky on the show. She's a New York Times bestselling author of the book Fair Play, which Reese Witherspoon actually had as her Hello Sunshine book club pick. And it's a book for couples searching for ways to better manage their families and achieve a balance. And she has a new book called Finding Your Unicorn Space, which I have so many questions about. She got her bachelor's in economics and anthropology from the University of Michigan, and she has her JD from Harvard Law School, and she worked in foundation management at J.P. Morgan. And after working with high net worth families and charitable foundations for the time that she did, she was able to get that experience working with families and really develop an expertise in mediation and organizational management. And so I have so many questions for her around what is fair play and what is the unicorn space and how can we deepen our relationships with our partners, with ourselves, and create more harmony with our families um, on all sorts of different levels. Let's talk about the holiday season, my friends. It is filled with end of year celebrations, gatherings with loved ones, traveling, cozy nights in, wild nights out, and yummy treats. This year, I've been really focused on not letting my sweet tooth get the best of me. We all know it happens to me. And I found the perfect remedy, Soul CBD's tinctures. Not only are these tinctures tasty and sweet, but they also calm my nerves. Navigating the holidays with stressful travel and end of the year work rushes, having some extra support to calm my nervous system and reduce inflammation has been so key. Just a few of Soul CBD's drops will do the trick. This powerful tincture is convenient and portable. I always throw one in my purse or my bag, so relief is just a drop away anywhere. You can spice up your morning coffee with the pumpkin spice tincture, or you can place a few drops of peppermint under your tongue for a perk of sweetness, and also add some lemon lime tinctures to your sparkling water at a holiday party. It's so easy, it's powerfully calming, and it's absolutely delicious. Soul CBD has an epic discount to share with the U-Turn community of 15% off your order. Just head on over to ashleystahl.com slash soul. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the code U-Turn at checkout. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Without further ado, thank you so much, Eve, for being here. Hi, Ashley. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. I feel like it's been a minute um, since I've talked about family dynamics and relationships. Um, So I obviously want to start off by asking, what does fair play even mean? Like, how would you define fair play? Such a good question. I think um, (laughs) the way I would define it is it's really an unlearning. And then there's a secret formula um, that that leads to a healthy 
division of labor, uh, a lack of resentment in relationships. And that formula is boundaries, systems, and communication. Um, so we can unpack that. But remember, you know, this is a decade in. So I do like to give sort of a trigger warning to this topic because there's a lot of unlearning that took me a decade that we're going to try to unpack in less than an hour. And ultimately, um, the unlearning, I would say the boundaries piece that we'll talk about is is, is the hardest part. Mm, okay. So I know a lot of people are navigating, especially in this era when there's more and more women who are getting educated and becoming breadwinners. There's a lot of dynamics around masculine, feminine energy, being a provider, keeping the sexual spark alive. Um, what are some of the things that you hear about the most as challenges from people who read your book or turn to your work? Well, there were a lot of awakening points for me. Uh, this this movement, the fair play movement, they call research, me search, right? I didn't start out uh, on my third grade board. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up board, Ashley? I didn't put like gender division of labor expert, right? That, that veterinarian astronaut was probably on there. Um, I didn't think about gender at all because I'm resolutely Gen X. I was told that I could escape my single parent background, um, my working class background by education that I could be on the same, basically the same stage as, as men. Uh, if I just put my head down and I worked hard, uh, I, I had so many dreams mm -hmm. for myself. You know, I remember thinking that I was going to be, you know, president of the United States, a senator, a Nick City dancer. I had all, I was bursting with dreams like so many, I think of our daughters are. And then, you know, instead of smashing like any of those glass ceilings, that you talk about or that, you know, my favorite, you know, podcasters talk about when they're talking to women, really the only thing I was smashing, I would say, in my life, 13 years later, after sort of really thinking about these issues in law school, when I had all those dreams, was peas for my toddler. Yeah. And, 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 and taking care of a baby. Um, and, and so all of those dreams sort of fell by the wayside. And I think that's really what the unlearning is, Ashley. It's understanding that the awakenings of these issues are are small. And so the home presents so small, so it's so dangerous. Mm. Because my breakdown was over blueberries. My husband Seth sending me a text that said, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. And realizing that by him def defining me as a fulfiller of his smoothie needs, I had I had started to get into a gray version of myself where literally the only things I was allowed to be, the only time I was allowed to spend was as a parent or a partner or a professional bringing money in. But I was really not allowed to be anything other than those three things. And those boxes, this permission to be unavailable was not afforded to me. And so I started to get really resentful, really angry, really sad, really depressed started to say the things to myself, like, is this it? Mm -hmm. Is this really it? You know, I, I have the husband and the two kids. Um, and this is what society sort of said was my milestones. And, and that's sort of where the fair play journey kicked off. But I think it's really important to understand that n this doesn't happen as fireworks. Um, mm -hmm. This happens as fighting over the sponge in the sink or being the one that the school calls when your kid is sick and your partner assuming that you're going to pick them up. Or um, as one woman said to me, 
that her partner um, obviously thought she had a magical vagina that whispered to her in the middle of the night what his mother wanted for Christmas. Mm. Those those types of assumptions uh, are what get us into a place of resentment. And ultimately, this work, this discrepancy that women hold two-thirds or more of what it takes to run a home and family, it ultimately kills us because we're starting to see now the effects on our mental and physical health. I think uh, it's so interesting that for your fair playbook, you I read that you had interviewed more than 500 men and women from all walks of life to kind of figure out what the invisible. Now it's like thousands, thousands, yeah, I'm thousands. Sure. Yes, yes. So what was something that really surprised you that you didn't really see coming just based on that research? Um, and also you remind me, and I can't recall what guest we had on the podcast, but she was arguing that most people say relationships fail because of communication, but they fail because she said it becomes competition, like tit for tat. Like I did this for you. So now you need to do this for me and all these resentments building up. So yeah, first question, just like what surprised you about what you found in all of those interviews? Um, and, and then I'll take it from there. I think the thing that surprised me so much is when I start to open my eyes after the blueberries breakdown, I like to call it now, I'm sort of at my anniversary, uh, 11, 12 years later, what was understanding that the women that I respect and admired who used their voices, Ashley, and literally every other aspect of their life um, were, were, were felled by these issues. And what I mean by that, I write it about fair play, in Fair Play, one of these early awakening moments in 2011, when I went on this breast cancer march mm. with 10 women that um, not all of us were married to men, but the majority of us were. And I center those dynamics, even though this comes up in LGBTQIA relationships and single parent relationships, but really all these assumptions, these dangerous, toxic assumptions around women uh, start with the heteronormative. And so these relationships, you know, I watched these women who I admired and I was having this blueberries breakdown in my own marriage because this is before I understand that private lives are public issues, right? The personal is the political, but. Can you unpack uh, we that a little more? What do you yes. mean? Yes. And so, so I, I will, because I'll, I'll explain that, that this personal experience, what I realize now is that it's the reason for everything we're seeing today, the burnout in women, the women, the reason that women are in C-suites, it all comes down to this issue around unpaid labor in the home. Mm -hmm. It was like my Kaiser Soze moment. But one of the things that surprised me, you asked, was even before I started to do any formal research, I watched these women who used their voice in every other area when we were on this breast cancer march. It was a Saturday morning, and I remember it so well because we had this true girlfriend's getaway type experience celebrating my friend who had been diagnosed, and we were supporting her, and we were wearing pink, and there was glitter in the air. We were carrying signs. And then literally, Ashley, at noon, it was like we were the reverse of Cinderella. We literally all turned into pumpkins. I started to watch every single one of these women get emails and phone calls and texts from their male partners with things like, what's the address of the birthday party? Mm -hmm. You didn't leave me a gift. Mm -hmm. When is the babysitter coming? Uh, you, where is Hudson's soccer bag? Mm -hmm. Um, do you want me to take him to the field? My favorite was my friend Kate's husband and his text said, um, do the kids need to eat lunch? <laughs> That's amazing. And 
This is not the first time yeah. the child has ever needed a meal or that they've gone to the soccer field. But what was so depressing to me that day was that every one of those women left me. They did not come to lunch. And they told me they left their partner with too much to do. Yeah. And Ashley, the pain of watching these women go to get Hudson's soccer bag and bring a perfectly wrapped gift to a birthday party, that pain what and, and the resistance of that day where I asked those women to count up how many phone calls and texts we received. And I talk about this in Fair Play, that we had 30 phone calls and 46 texts for 10 women over 30 minutes. That was the beginning of this revolution that I understood that it wasn't just me, Ashley. Yeah. It was the most powerful women in the world. Some of them, you know, I had an Oscar winning producer with me and the head of stroke and trauma at a major hospital in L.A., all of these women were being affected by the assumptions that they would still, even if they were the primary breadwinner in their home, do more of the unpaid labor in their household. Okay. That is such a poignant moment. And I also know that there's a lot of women in my life who have made an empowered choice to say, hey, I want to step back in my career. I want this experience of motherhood. And I want my partner to go all in on his career while I take on this weight. And yet I know that that impacts the dynamic between two partners, no matter what, um, for better or. And I will, I will say to you, I don't think it's an empowered choice. Okay, so tell I me don't. a little bit more about that. I don't think it's a choice in this culture. I think, well, first of all, we know that the majority configuration of households in America need women's income because of um, the income disparities between the rich and the poor. Most pe- most women are are breadwinners. Um, and in fact, eighty over eighty percent of Black women are breadwinners. Wow. So I think it's it's a privileged choice that you can make, but it backfires mm-hmm. because what happens is, and this was happening to me in my, in my marriage was that I chose, I'm more highly educated than my husband. I chose to work in the nonprofit sector. Mm. I made $42,000 a year as the CEO of a nonprofit, but I could argue my work was more important than Seth's work. Mm-hmm. However, he started to get more into entertainment and private equity and he, he started to make more. As he made more money, it made sense for me in my mind to take a step back from my work because he made more money than me. And so that assumption that I was supposed to do more unpaid labor because he made more money than me started to impact our marriage in highly negative ways. And I could have argued back then that I thought I was making an empowered choice. But in fact, I was making a toxic choice because I was believing that I deserve to do all the housework and childcare for my family for four reasons. One, because my partner made more money than me. Two, because I assumed I was a better multitasker and somehow I was wired differently. Uh, and I knew more than Seth did. Um, I knew that that was a hungry cry and not a sad cry. I knew what my kids needed, that they wanted the pink sippy cup and not the blue one. And then I assumed that in the time it took, took me to tell Seth what to do. I could just do it myself. Mm. All of those are toxic time messages that when, if you've ever said any of those things to yourself, what happens is you believe you're being empowered, but actually you're hearing the toxic messages of society that want you to continue to do the unpaid labor um, of motherhood. And it ends up really uh, impacting all of us, uh, our mental and physical health. 
in Did you know that around the age of 25, your collagen production begins to slow down? While collagen is linked to youthful skin and that vibrant glow we all want to maintain, it's also a vital component of your overall health. Collagen helps your bones, your joints, and your muscles function and remain strong and mobile. With so many supplements out there, I wanted to share the best collagen I could find, and it's Isogenics Collagen Elixir. It's become a quick favorite of mine. This collagen contains hydrolyzed marine collagen, sustainably sourced from deep sea fish. Marine collagen has high absorption rates by the body, making it a great option if you're ready to really nourish your body from the inside out. I treated my mom to this collagen and I noticed her wrinkles on her face started to disappear just in four weeks. Obviously not all of them, but some of them. And it was so exciting to know that each serving is composed of five grams of marine peptides that you can enjoy anytime during the day. Simply visit ashleystahl.com slash collagen now to get your order. And when you sign up for a subscription to receive your collagen elixir each month, you get discounts and delivery perks. That's Ashley Stahl stall.com slash C-O-L-L-A-G-E-N. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Mm, Okay. And so I also know that there's just like a romantic spark challenge that everyone faces at one point or another. And I've read all of the psychology books. I have a master's in psych of like the romantic stages and what's going on with the brain. And I know that this unpaid labor phenomenon is an undercurrent of all of it as well. Um, What would you recommend for someone right now who is feeling like, man, we are in such a rut and this is part of it. And where do I even begin? Well, I would say that it's back to our, let's go into our, the solutions because I like to go dark to go light. So that was very dark. Um, But the good news is that it, all these dynamics are our practice, Ashley. So the good news is you can move from, from bad practices or practices that don't serve you into really healthy practices. And it could be in the same relationship. Um, there was a big article in the New York Times this week that said really the divorce is the only option, right, to get women to get their time back. Um, but I don't believe that. I actually really don't believe that. Um, as a mediator, and you should feel bad for me because I work for families that look like the HBO show Succession. But if I thought that their toxic dynamics would last forever or they couldn't work together, then I would never do my work. Um, and so I believe in the practice of change. And and so when you feel in a rut, I would say there are three areas which you could focus on. The boundaries, the systems, and communication. And this is my test to you to say, you know, how, how do you know what to start with? Yeah. I would ask yourself, which is the hardest for me? Is the hardest for me that I feel a resentful because I'm doing it all. And like me, I had the blueberries breakdown and there's there, and I'm telling myself there's no way to change this dynamic. There's my partner won't help in the home, or if they do, I have to ask them they're a helper, they're not a partner. If that's where you are, I would say we want to start with systems and we can unpack all of these. If you're if the hardest thing for you is to say to yourself, and I don't believe I have a permission to be unavailable for my roles, that availability to my kids, to my partner, to my workplace has become part of my identity, then I would say boundaries is the area you want to work on. And if it's that you have a hard time asking for what you need, that, you know, instead of talking about these issues about domestic life, maybe instead you've 
dumped wet clothes on your partner's pillow um, because they forgot to put them in the dryer, um, then I would say that that would be communication. Mm -hmm. So the good news is the practice of all three boundaries, systems, and communication. But I would say, depending on where you're lacking, where you feel that missing spark, that's where I would start. Okay. And before I unpack all three of those, one curiosity I've had since you talked about this kind of choice of stepping back and being more of the parent while you have a partner who's more of the financial breadwinner, you said that you didn't really feel so great in retrospect about that choice to step back and it created all these dynamics. What about a middle ground? Do you think that that seems to work or are women still largely being... um, burdened by those extra hours. Like for example, I have a podcast. I love writing books. And what if I just want to double down on that and marry someone who's the breadwinner? Um, Is that sense of self that I'm maintaining there helpful or is that labor still like what research did you know? Of course, of course you need that. But what I would say is if you have a job that, or a passion that makes less money, You cannot fall in the trap that you have to do all that, which I would argue is just as important for society as somebody who brings in money. Mm -hmm. What you're doing for women is probably more important than just, you know, monetary value can even put, you know, a finger on. And so I would say is just make sure in your case or in a person like your case that the systems are in place so that all of the unpaid labor doesn't default on you because you end up with a more flexible job. Okay. I love that. That's what happens. People will say, I took the step back because I really valued X, Y, and Z. But to do that, the devil's bargain was I'm now in charge of my kid's Hebrew school. I'm just going through all the cards and managing our babysitter or nanny. If you have one, if you're lucky enough to have one or not, um, in charge of booking all of our travel, my grandfather's death. I'm in charge of picking up the kids from school when they're sick. And um, I mean, you know, you just go through all of these cards. There's a hundred fair play cards, um, started as a shit. I do spreadsheet right after the breast cancer March, Ashley, as I talk about, but it turned into a system, a hundred cards that represent all of the unpaid labor you can take on. And we know now that women who identify as working full time, again, whether it's a podcast or you're writing, um, and they're doing more than 67 of the 100 tasks or what I call the cards, um, we know that you get physically ill. Mm. And so I just want to make it very clear that Seth and I don't look at our time anymore as money. Mm -hmm. Seth and I look at our time as we only have 24 hours in a day Mm -hmm. and we each get time choice over how we use that day. And that was the biggest breakthrough, Ashley, that he said, okay, I don't care who makes more money. You have shit that's valuable to you to do. And I respect it. And I do too. But when I get three hours after our kids go to bed to watch sports center, work out and finish a PowerPoint deck, and you're doing things in service of our home till your head hits the pillow two hours later, after I've already gone to bed, that is fundamentally unfair. And we need to change that. That's the breakthrough. Got it. Okay. So I have obviously all the questions around um, those three areas that you mentioned around boundaries. Um, you know, can you kind of just start unpacking each of those for everyone who's taking notes um, and help yes. people kind of self-identify of where do they need to begin? Because you kind of gave some pointers on which situation they might be stuck in. 
So the good news, well, we just started to go down the route of boundaries. Um, and that's the hardest one. So maybe we'll save that one for last because how we view our time has been the hardest thing. And it's why I write to women mm -hmm. because we have to unlearn a whole lifetime of how we've been perceived, how our time has been perceived. So let's, let's do that one second, maybe, and uh, we can end on communication since uh, all of communication comes from setting good boundaries and having good systems in place. Uh, so let's start our systems because that's the easiest one. Okay. So if you're the one saying, you know, I'm just burnt out, I'm overwhelmed from all the crap that we just started talking about for being the seasonal items store of our ornaments and tidying up and dealing with the auto registration and planning our kid's birthday party and being the calendar keeper and paying the bills and doing the charity and good deeds and community service for our family and planning weekend plans and teaching my kid how to ride a bike and on and on and on. Then we'll start with fair play because unicorn space is really the boundaries book. So the beauty of systems is that this is the easiest part, Ashley, because we've been doing it in the workplace for 50 plus years. I will not be on your team. I know it. If I came into you and said, Ashley, what should I be doing today? You know, I'm just going to wait here until you tell me what to do. Right. Yeah. We, we know that and everybody, yes, it's funny. We laugh because it's so antithetical to how we would operate in any professional capacity. But then we have partners who actually do that in their home. And so it's so strange that we would do something so different in our most important organization. And so that became the way fair play came into existence was, as I said to you, I mentioned earlier, I started with a spreadsheet like every type A Gen X woman. <laughs> I thought a list could save me. And I called up those women from the Breast Cancer March, and I spent nine months on something I called the Should I Do Spreadsheet. It became viral before things were viral because we didn't really have social media back then in the same way. This was 2011, but it was sort of going community to community. It was 98 tabs, Ashley, and 2,000 items <laughs> of invisible work. And that spreadsheet I finally sent to Seth and um, with no context, which is ironic since I work as a mediator and, you know, just, I can't wait to discuss uh, email <laughs> to him with this nine month, a curated spreadsheet. And um, that sounds like a really fun time for both of yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really fun. We did. He said, you know what? He didn't, we didn't even get um, a response that was in words. It was just like the pixelated early version of like the monkey uh, covering its eyes monkey. Um, and so this idea of a see no evil, right. It's, it's really easy to try to put the genie back in the box. But the truth is that uh, once you see the unpaid labor, it's hard to unsee it. And so this once I realized that a list didn't work, and at the time sort of eat, pray, love was the narrative, like I could eat, pray, love it out of my marriage, but I had kids, I didn't really have the privilege to do that. I was trying to figure out, you know, what do I do? Do I just resign myself to doing all of this work after spending all this time illuminating it because sometimes if you unleash consciousness, but you don't have a solution, Ashley, it's even worse. Mm. And I had unleashed consciousness for myself. And so finally, what I realized was I had to ask the most important question I've asked in the past 10 years. And that was, I work in organizational systems. So what if I just treated the home as our most important organization? Would the systems that I teach 
work from my own home. And that was the beauty. The beauty was, yes. And one of the most common and important systems, breakers, and most important things that you can learn is the power of context, not control. If you control somebody, they are not going to work well for you. If you give them context and you empower them, it changes the whole game. And so once I understood that, how does that look? Context, yes. just for people who. Well, are I'll give you the context exactly. So the second question is what became the second most important question I've ever asked because I want to understand how that works in context. So in the workplace, we call it the directly responsible individual. Ashley is responsible for the financial forecasts, right? It you don't you don't go to a a restaurant and if you do this is not good where you have two waiters and, because then what happens is somebody's going to forget a meal. You don't want to go into your most important brain surgery and see two surgeons show up and say, we're both going to be sort of working together and winging it, right? You need somebody in charge. That's, that's, that's what happens. That's called the ownership model, the directly responsible individual. So when I knew that that was something that works in the workplace, I was trying to get who was in charge in the home. And Ashley, that was the hardest thing. So I would say, who's in charge of groceries? We both are. Okay, well, who's in, who does the holidays? We both do. Okay, um, who helps out with the hard questions for the kids? Like, what's a blowjob? Well, we both answer those. Who gets gifts for the kids? We both do. So I was starting to get really frustrated mm-hmm. because we know that men over-report what they do and women under-report, and I could not get any straight answers. So this is how that you would, you just asked how you break it down in the home, this directly responsible individual context, not control. I finally asked the question that broke it. And the question that broke through the data 10 years ago was how did mustard get in your refrigerator? It's the most beautiful question. You can ask it in 17, I asked it in 17 countries because condiments are popular everywhere. And this is what happens. Even in the Nordic countries that we think we're doing it so much better than us. Women married to men or partnered with men were the ones saying that they noticed that their second son, Johnny, liked French's yellow mustard on their protein. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they literally wouldn't eat the turkey. They had to be doused in yellow yellow mustard. Mm-hmm. That's conception. In the workplace, we get paid big bucks for noticing new ideas. Mm-hmm. And then women were saying they were the one noticing that the mustard was running low and getting stakeholder buy-in from their family for what they needed on the grocery list. I mean, they didn't call it stakeholder buy-in, but I was listening for that. And I found out that that stage, the planning stage, again, which we get paid big bucks for in the workplace, was also falling on women. Mm. And then the reason why they were saying both is because their male partners were stepping in at execution, the last step, and they were going to the store to purchase the mustard. But they bring home spicy Dijon every fucking time, Ashley. And Mm. then these women are saying to me, Eve, you want me to trust my partner with my living will? He can't even bring home the right type of mustard. And that was the ding, 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 ding. Organizations fail when you don't have accountability and trust. Right. When you bring home spicy Dijon, you erode accountability and trust. Mm -hmm. And that was the, the beauty of fair play was understanding that when you keep conception, planning, and execution together, the ownership mindset, which can create context, not control 
that that same system could work in the home. Yeah. And that was the breakthrough. That has been what fair play is. People have been playing it for a decade. We know it works. And it is the idea of an ownership model that if you are the groceries card holder for that week, you are conceiving, planning, and executing what goes all the way from seeing and noticing what's, what's empty to putting the cart in your online shopping cart or your physical shopping cart. That is ownership. Mm-hmm. And once you get that idea that CPE can change your life uh, and it doesn't have to be equal, that's the beauty. It doesn't have to be equal. If you have a partner who makes more money than you, I'm not saying they have to hold as many cards, even though Seth does now. Wait, I want to ask hold. you about the cards. Yes, too. Yes. Referencing the cards. Is that a separate thing to purchase from the book? And what are these cards about? Yes. So the cards are the metaphor for what I want you to own. Mm-hmm. So there are a hundred of them. And when you hold a card, you're holding it for full conception, planning, execution. Mm. If you were the one holding gifts for your family for the holidays, you were the one holding gifts for your family. You're not asking your partner, hey, can you go by the store before it closes and pick up, you know, the the Legos? Mm-hmm. And then your partner brings home the the Pokemon uh-huh. Legos instead of the the Minecraft Legos and you're a- having a fight back to the competition that you were talking about earlier. No, it's I own it. Doesn't mean that I can't grab help from a neighbor, a friend, uh, uh, but you're not throwing your partner under the bus with execution tasks. We call that in fair play, not nagging. We call that the rat, the random assignment of a task. If your home is infested by rats, nobody's going to want to live there. And so we found that men said to me, not that they don't want to help, that they don't want to be a partner, but that they can't get anything right. That's mm. also what happens to employees who just get control and no context. Right. And so the cards are the metaphor. You see them in the book. You can also purchase them in physical. We have them online at fairplaylife.com if you want them, but you can purchase them physically um, if you want to see the metaphor. But the metaphor is just the ownership men- mindset mm-hmm. that when you hold a card, you're holding it with full conception, planning, and execution. That is fair play in a nutshell. Obviously, the book teaches you the entire system of how to get into that mindset, but it's really not rocket science, Ashley. Yeah, yeah. You remind me so much of a weird day I had in New York City a couple weeks ago where I have two companies and they're both at different banks and I cashed, I, I wrote a check from one company to the other. And so basically I wrote a check from myself to myself, you know? And it showed that it cleared in one account, but it wasn't showing up in the other. And both of the banks were blaming each other. Uh, exactly. And I'm like, holy exactly. shit, the money is gone and it's not in the account it was supposed to go to. So, and they're like, you need to talk to them. You need to talk to them. So I love what you're saying is like really ownership. And I have a military background. So yes. it's all yes. systems and ownership. And I'm actually the least detail oriented person, which is why that whole career path was like a, a nightmare for me. But... I think it's so great that you have something tangible like these hundred cards with different images on them to say, hey, sit down with your partner and divvy these up. It can be that simple. Um, And you also I want to put a pin in something you said. You said bringing awareness to something. I don't know your exact words, but you said something along the awareness can be toxic without action. That was kind of what I heard you say. Yeah. And that's so powerful because I feel like in self-help, we talk about awareness and that's a really big step. Yes, it's a big step, but it's not the destination. It's the starter pack. Right. And so exactly, it's like you want self-growth starter pack, get aware. But if you're like, oh, keep doing this and you just keep doing it, it's like 
that's toxic. It's actually just like a painful pattern that you know you're doing um, and life is happening to you. So, okay, really powerful to talk about systems. And by the way, can I just tell you that that was my early beta testers. I just got chills because you just confirmed some, my early beta testers, the men particularly who really adopted fair play with zeal mm-hmm. were military and coaches. Yeah. Because they kept saying, you have to know your role. You have to know your role. You have to know your role. And the opposite of what they were. So they were knowing their role and teaching that. Mm-hmm. But then in their home, they had no idea what their role is. And so they couldn't believe that they had gotten into such a disparity from what they knew works. Right. So it was really interesting to me that you would think like, oh, the military would be so conservative or the men would be interested in, in you know, quote, unquote, taking on unpaid labor. I did not see that at all. Mm. Interesting. Okay. And, you know, another thing you bring up is a a brilliant coach named Steve Chandler. He talks about expectations versus agreements. And I love these cards because it's like, dude, people say, what are your expectations? It's like way to be a victim sometimes if you just have expectations, these unspoken secrets that the other person doesn't know that they're supposed to do. And then they're going to disappoint you and you're fighting over mustard. It's like not about the mustard. (laughs) Come up with an agreement. People like to honor their word, but they don't like to have, you know, uh, expectations that they haven't agreed to pushed onto them. Um, Okay. So exactly, by the way, that is the key. The key here is that each one, I love that you just said that because what I call each of these cards is a mini agreement Mm -hmm. because I'm a lawyer, right? So these are mini contracts. If you are in charge of gifts for the family and you just end up putting a $100 bill or a $5 bill in every gift card for the holidays and the tree underneath is not wrapped with anything, right? Mm-hmm. That may be fine for one person and not fine for the other. But if you've never spoken about it, mm-hmm. if you've never spoken about it, then you have no idea what the other person's, what I call the minimum standard of care mm-hmm. that comes out of the law and medicine. Mm-hmm. And so that's why each one of these cards is a conversation and a mini agreement. So I love that you said that. You know, also just speaking of that, it's like, I, I think we live in a world that, and I say this a lot, it's like so easy to be complicated, but your cards are yeah. pretty fucking simple. It's like, so simple. do you see so the picture? Simple. That's yours. I sound yes. like such an asshole today. I hope everybody forgives me for this vibe. Okay. No, Next. you don't. I'm sorry. I think I put you in an angry vibe because no. I get so mad. I get so mad about these issues, but I really do think the beauty, like we said, is that there is um, there's a solution. You know, I want to also bring up something powerful that I learned through a conversation with a friend around this stuff. She married a man who is very wealthy and she's taking on like three full time jobs to manage their life and, you know, children and all of these things. And she knew that this was going to be the case before they got married. And so one of the things she said to me was, why make him wrong when I chose him knowing this was what it was going to be? And I want to kind of point that out because I think that, yes, um, things happen, life happens, and then you kind of need to go through that whole process that you're talking about with your partner. But there's also something to be said about taking responsibility for who you choose, what you choose, the honest conversations you have before you make that choice. And it's like if you're with someone that's like, this is what I'm looking for, and you agree to that, why create disconnect over making them wrong for the person that they told you they're going to be? Um, (laughs) Exactly. 
So I think that's and maybe divorce is the only answer in those cases. Or if, acceptance. If, if yeah. they don't, right. Or if, if they don't. But I do think the beauty of also um, of fair play, though, I do think is that even if you know you're not going to get um, somebody maybe to do, you know, like I said, a lot holds a lot of cards. What you can still get, though, is you can get an understanding that you, des- and this gets into our boundaries. So let's move into boundaries. Mm-hmm. You still deserve, even no matter what your family structure is, you deserve a permission to be unavailable from your roles. That is it. You deserve to wake up some days and say, the most important thing I will do today is something that is not related to my role as a parent, not related to my role as a partner, and not related to my role as a professional. And by professional, I mean anybody who works for pay or who works not for pay, but does some something important in their life. And I call that a unicorn space. So I just think it's really important to understand that a boundary, Ashley, I wish, you know, I could tell you is a walk around the block or like you said, to read another self-help book or to grab a drink with a friend, but it's really not. A A true boundary is being able to say that you're consistently interested in your own life. Mm. And if you get to a place where you maybe you made those agreements or you didn't know what you were getting into and you come to a place where you say, I am not consistently interested in my own life, then something has to change for you. Mm -hmm. That's a harder question than systems. And that's why I had to write a whole second book about it. Mm. But I do want to be very clear that the way we get to be in a place where we're not consistently interested in our own life, Ashley, is because society tells us over time that our time's infinite. Our time is sand. Our time doesn't matter. Where we're supposed to protect and guard men's time as if it's diamonds. Mm. We're sand. Men's time is diamonds. When you're in a relationship with a man, and you've been told your whole life that your time is worthless, then of course, schools are going to call you when the kid is sick because they're not going to buy. I called 50 schools for fair play. And I asked, why do you call women, not men? And we got mostly answers like we don't want to bother men, right? They don't pick up this idea of protecting men's time. If women enter a male profession, salaries automatically come down. Mm. We um, tell women that breastfeeding is free when it's an 1800 hour a year job. So it's much harder to set a boundary in a, in a world, in a, a society where we've been told that our time is worthless. And so that's why that's the unlearning piece here, that your time is diamonds. Regardless of your family structure, you can understand this point that you deserve a permission to be unavailable from your roles. Mm. Shine bright like a diamond. Yes, exactly. That's it. <laughs> um, okay. And I want to point out for everyone that I think when we talk about boundaries, it's like really defining that because some people think they have boundaries when really they have barriers. They put walls up. And it's like, to me, a boundary is, you know, this is something I need to do to keep myself intact. And it's like a loving act of um, mm-hmm. awareness and request. Um so I encourage any of you to think about what boundaries. And by are. the way, what you just said that it is a loving act to yourself. But but I, I was just talking to Dr. Becky Kennedy about this. Um, and what we both 
where our work collides or, or, or intersects in a beautiful way is to understand that when you do that loving act for yourself, as Ashley just mentioned, do not expect cupcakes and rainbows and fireworks. When you set boundaries, other people experience discomfort. Mm -hmm. They do. Mm -hmm. If you say that you're not going to be at your kid's recital because you're going away to be with your friends for a weekend, you're not going to get, oh, mommy, I'm so happy for you. That you're not going to be here for my recital, right? You're going to get, oh my God, you're not going to be there. This is my most important day of my life, you know? And so you're going to get uh, internalized guilt and shame. Uh, you're going to get a lot of, okay, again, you thought you just went away. I thought you just uh, took that dance class. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. did you just take a walk? Wasn't that just yesterday? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I take a walk every single day. Um, so the point is that do not expect cupcakes and rainbows and fireworks when you set that boundary. Other people in your life will experience discomfort. I also, I love what you're sharing. And I want to point out that between partners, that kind of language where there's like guilting and shaming is just a form of manipulation and not clear communication. Like you just did this versus, oh, I really would love to have you here. Are you, are you sure you need this for you? Um, oh, communication. So I guess let's just do that really oh, fast. So that we can I'm say just all here boundaries, to set you up, girl. Systems <laughs> and communication. So yes, exactly what Ashley just said, that a lot of people are actually not communicating. We are not communicating um, in a way we are communicating, but we're not communicating in a way that our partners can hear us. And so, as we said earlier, where we're going with this solution is decide where you feel like you want to focus, you know, first unlearn, you know, sit with this information for a little while and then say, you know what, it's really the boundaries that resonated with me. It's really the systems. But if it's communication, what I will say is that one of the most interesting things to me back to the corporate practices, Ashley, was that almost everybody I spoke to is in some regular communication with their team, with their, um, whether it was factory workers all the way up to the C-suite, people who work have some sort of regular communication with their staff or their boss or a manager. Whereas in the home, we can literally go years without having a conversation that where emotion is low and cognition is high around domestic labor. Mm. It's literally, you can go a decade. Wow. And it's so interesting to me. I will hear things from people that like, well, yeah, I had a conversation over laundry, but my partner never did anything about it. So I just took the task back myself. Boy. And I will say, well, when did you have that conversation? And Ashley, I'll hear things like I had it six years ago. So I laugh because that's like me saying to you, if you were my trainer, um, are you physically fit? And I would say a hundred percent. I ran on the treadmill. Oh, when did you do that? Six years ago. <laughs> so what I'm here to say is that if you know anything about exercise or meditation or um, it's that people will call it a practice. I'm here to tell you, sure, those are important practices, but there will literally be no more important practice in your life than communication. And we don't practice it. We have one conversation five years ago and we shut the conversation. We never have it again. I'm here to tell you that the most important thing you can do with communication is treat it like exercise mm. where you literally schedule five minutes a day to check in with your partner, to check in with your kids when emotion is high, cognition is low, and to talk about these issues then. To not give feedback in the moment, to wait for it, to hold it, that was the hardest thing for me to learn, 
to hold my feedback. But doing that was one of the most easy yet hard and most powerful things I've ever done, Ashley, was Mm. instituting that check-in. I love that so much. My friend has a Sunday coffee check-in with her partner every week, and she swears it's what's kept her relationship so beautiful. And I'm seeing someone new who, by the way, is very messy. So I can't even imagine what that future will look like for me with these conversations <laughs> of domestic labor or whatever. But No, no, no. That's why you're doing it now. Exactly. I know. Last night, he's like, I'm kind of messy, huh? I'm like, yep. <laughs> um. Anyway, I'm so grateful that you came on. And I see that you have the three C's to creativity, curiosity, connection, completion. I mean, you have so much content in your book. So I hope that everyone picks up a copy of Fair Play where can everyone find you and who should be reading the Unicorn Space, your new book? Well, Unicorn Space, I would say, is if you're feeling uh, burnout or languishing, it's really a book that goes into the positive psychology um, downfalls of chasing happiness and really what to sort of center instead, which is, as you said, sort of curiosity connection and completion. It's really a program for the boundaries piece. Fair play is a program for the systems and communication piece. So what I would say, Ashley, if you were in a new relationship with someone that you perceive as messy, or luckily they're perceiving it too, which is even greater. Yeah. Amazing. Awareness is that they're not doing exactly, exactly. Well, because you haven't done anything yet, right? So I will say that you could read fair play together and start having conversations. Um, a beautiful thing back to, I will just end with this sort of this gift. Unicorn space is really based on a foundation of equal trust and respect around each other's time and understanding that time apart is some of the best time for us to be connected with our other person because having our own life um, is really a very sexy thing. That unavailability is very sexy over time. It allows you to have things to talk about other than, again, just your roles. And so, but, but some of the beauty of getting to a place of, you know, where do I want to be in my life? What excites me? Um, all the things, Ashley, that you talk about. Um, I would say for understanding where you are in the phase of life is really important for whether or not fair play is for you or unicorn space is for you. And so I said, if you're an empty nester, if you're single, if you're um, being burnt out at work because, you know, parents are allowed to take time off and you're not, I would say unicorn space is the book for you. If you are about to enter a new relationship um, and you're already seeing, oh, this could be a potential issue. I'd say read fair play together, watch the fair play documentary, because then you can have some humor around these difficult conversations early before, you know, it gets, it gets to be, um, a blueberries breakdown. No, it's never about the blueberries. It's never about the mustard. Is it anyway? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, where is the best place for everyone to follow you? Uh, fair play life on Instagram is fun because we share all the latest data. And then I would say that, uh, we, we have a lot of free tools, on, on, if you sign up for our fairplaylife.com newsletter, it's really the way we check in with our audience, you know, just to tell you, here's the newest studies. We had one about you have better sex if you have better division of labor. A new study came out showing that women who are breadwinners are still holding most of the domestic work in their homes. So we we really, we try to update you with the latest um, information to keep, you know, your household fair. Thank you so much again for coming on. Ashley, it was great talking to you. 
Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.